Welcome to Long Story Short, the global development news show. I'm your host, Kate Midden, and this week's special edition episode is brought to you by Arizona State University. There's increasing recognition the development initiatives should be owned and led by people living and operating at the local level. Yet the global development workforce often doesn't reflect this reality. The qualifications most global development institutions require for jobs, especially those with decision-making power, exclude much of the world who may not have access to these learning experiences. Dr. Sethu Raman Panchanathan, also known as Dr. Panch, is the Executive Vice President and Chief Research and Innovation Officer of Knowledge Enterprise with Arizona State University. He's joining us this week by phone to discuss how academic institutions can be a leader in democratizing education in our sector through innovations in strategic partnerships, admissions requirements, and online programs to prepare a workforce of global, de- global development leaders representative of the people this industry serves. Dr. Ponch, thank you so much for joining me this week. Thank you. Good to be here, Kate. So when we talk about the democratization of education, we're really talking in a way about access. Can you explore a little bit what it means to make education more democratic? Glad to do so. Kate, ASU is advancing on the democratization of education in multiple ways. First and foremost, if you look at our charter, ASU is a comprehensive public research university measured by not whom it excludes, but by whom it includes and how they succeed. And also advancing research and discovery of public value, as well as assuming fundamental responsibility for the economic, social, cultural, and overall health of the communities it serves. As you can see from the charter, Go ahead, please. So ASU is really taking this mission-centered approach to reach the goal of democratizing education, but what are some of the concrete ways that that's happening? Is that through admissions requirements or partnerships? Uh, it's to all of the above. Let me give you some data points that might help shed some light into this. If you look at the socioeconomic makeup of ASU, ASU student population truly reflects the socioeconomic demographic of the state of Arizona. Let me give you another sub-example there. If you look at our Pell recipient students, in 2004, 19% of our full-time freshmen were Pell-eligible students. In 2016, it was 32.8%. Likewise, all our undergrads, if you look at them and who, who are Pell recipients, In 2004, it was 24.3% of our population. In 2016, it is 33.1% of our population. Likewise, first-generation students. We have 22,070 students in 2018. That makes up 26% of all of our students, which is up from about 18% in 2007. There is one example for you in terms of how we are committed to this mission of access, at the same time ensuring that excellence is an imperative and impact is an outcome that we constantly achieve in everything that we do. So how does this factor in when we're talking specifically about international development programs that these students are engaging in and what that means for the broader development landscape? 
So basically, when you look at international development landscape, you want our students to have a very good understanding of what it means to be operating in the global landscape. Many of our programs have the opportunities for students to be able to immerse themselves not only in globally focused courses while they are at the university, but also globally focused internships, study abroad programs, and things of that nature that gives them the exposure to be able to understand what it means to think global, act global in a very experiential way. And that's exceedingly important for students then when they get into the real world, be able to contribute in a significant way in a global development sense. It feels as though there's a growing sense that partnership and collaboration are key in facilitating development gains. And this is broadening out just from ASU specifically, just looking at education writ large. Um, when we're talking about something like meeting the SDGs and particularly those related to education, how are organizations and academic institutions like ASU using partners as, an, as a way to democratize education? That's a very good question, Kate. Typically, you know, you would think that universities partner some, but at ASU what we do is partnership is like an imperative. It's like we, we, we know that we can reach a lot of folks through partnerships in many, many ways in achieving the charter and the objectives of the charter. Let me give you some examples. With Chemonix, which is an international development partner, we have the Pathways for Practitioners program. Essentially, it is a co-design program with Chemonix leadership based on the needs of the Chemonix as a firm, international development firm. We have mini master's degrees which have the options then to go to full master's degrees if the practitioners choose to do so. Supply chain is an example. We have a mini master's degree, and that leads nicely into a master's degree in applied international development. So this kind of partnership with entities that actually are fully engaged in international development is a highly productive way for universities to contribute to international development goals. Likewise, we have global partners, Starbucks, Adidas, Uber, all of these are partners and I can talk about the details if you need. I would love to get into the private sector partnerships in just a minute because this is of course a big thing that our industry is focusing on and that we look a lot at at DevEx, but in terms of this partnership with Chemonix, I would love to hear some background about how this partnership was facilitated and how you kind of came to an agreement about what a partnership would look like that would be mutually beneficial for an institution like ASU and such a big implementer like Chemonix. Great. So, um, you know, when you talk about partnership, any partnership should have, in my view, shared values as a foundation. So Chemonix and us, as well as other strategic partnerships that we have, we first start with our shared values. We want to impact the global community. And through that, we learn things that then we bring back to our nation and the local community. We also then sensitize our students and faculty to think that way and be committed to having global, local, and national impact. So, how did it get started? The leadership of Chemonix and ASU, with the shared value as the foundation, got together and said, you know, you have a lot of complementary strengths and goals 
that when put together can really reach a lot more people in a lot more context with a lot more effectiveness that's what brought us together for example the mini masters degree that i talked about this is something that benefits kemonex because their employees now get to get constant training on the ground we learn from those employees in their context and design our curriculum to be more relevant and so it's a win win situation i would like to get back to this frame that we started with which is really looking at locally led development and really boosting that among the the development institutions and organizations that we all work with is there a way that this partnership is contributing to that vision absolutely because as i said we can learning from a global context to solving local problems and by solving local problems you then have global impact so both ways it does help the local context being enriched by by the peer and global emotion so i would love to hear what your partnership for instance with starbucks looks like and kind of the goals and then how you find those shared values that you were mentioning in terms of the partnership with Comonix. Yes. So, if you look at Starbucks, you know Starbucks has got, you know, several hundred thousands of employees all over the globe working um, you know, across the Starbucks stores. Now, these are these partners as they call them, they refer to their employees as partners, are typically folks who have not had a chance to complete their undergraduate degrees or even enter into an undergraduate program but are very bright highly capable motivated so we said how might we partner with starbucks to realize their dream of having their partners be able to their employees be able to get the highest quality education while they are working and have a broad range of courses and programs that they can choose from from a comprehensive public research university like arizona state university and so this partnership therefore has naturally lent itself to those employees now taking courses programs from asu's online program which is a, a rich set of uh, programs delivered through the state of the art technology through partnerships that again which we have with a number of technology partners and that offering then has provided starbucks the ability to be able to give their employees this opportunity for them not only to enhance their skill sets and mindsets when they are at starbucks but if they are equipped and choose to do so in terms of contributing to the global workforce in other ways that they are eligible and able to do that and this rich partnership in starbucks therefore is again based on the shared values that i talked about with comonex because with all our partners we first understand what is the need of the partner and then how can we configure ourselves to be able to meet the needs of the partner and more It sounds like this partnership with Starbucks is really predicated on building a more inclusive pipeline of students. But you talked about online programming. Which which countries is this partnership active in? Where do you see your students coming to you in terms of online programming? And how, you know, how important is that online piece in terms of access? Absolutely, very very important. So in fact, we have been able to reach Let me start with a program that we call the Global Freshman Academy in partnership with edX at MIT now this reaches hundreds of thousands of students in pretty much all the countries that you can think of about 192 countries across the seven continents and these courses are made available free for students to be able to experience what a freshman level course looks like 
before they even register for the course to get credit. They would register for a course, they would take the course. If they feel that they would like to get credit, then they pay a very small fee to get credit. Now, this then opens up the opportunity for students in different parts of the world to be able to now register in freshman courses and then test their own abilities to be able to go through a, a rigorous program of an undergraduate degree. And so this has been very valuable for us. And then continuing on, we have then built programs for undergraduate degrees as well as master's degrees that we offer for about 30,000 students across the globe from about 140 countries, uh, students from 140 countries taking these courses and programs for uh, undergraduate degrees that they would receive through our online uh, offerings. So this is something that we believe really opens up opportunities for people across the globe to be able to connect, be connected to the um, to their aspirations for academic pursuits. You know, the ever-present question in development is that of scale. Uh, how do we scale up? How do we scale effectively? How do we scale in the context of, um, or how do we scale, excuse me, within these different contexts? Online programs in this model that you're talking about on the surface feels like something that is replicable. Would you would you agree with that? And what are some of the lessons that you've learned about what online programming could offer to scale? Yes, uh, you're correct that online program lends itself to rapid scaling. But one must keep clear that uh, you know typically online programs might be thought of as not as the same quality as an on-campus program. What we have shown through the advanced technology partnerships is that our online program's quality is equal to or even better than the on-campus uh, quality for students of the demographic that are typically in the workforce, you know, mature students. And they find it much more compelling to have the flexibility with quality and available at scale. And so one of the things that's a requirement for, to do this is that universities must move at a much faster speed and tempo in order to keep up with the global change that is happening out there, which is fast. And so we need universities to think fast, be more ambitious, and looking at game-changing ideas rather than the typical slow, cautious, and incremental approach that we might end up using in academia. So that's an exceedingly important thing that we need to focus on when you want to scale and scale fast. That's a really that's a really strong message. You know, I think within international development, when we're looking at the the career trajectory of a development professional, often what we see is that inequality is perpetuated because you need certain degrees, you often need unpaid internships, you often need a lot of qualifications that people who might need to work to support themselves and their families full time just cannot dedicate um, or is unreasonable, which tends to perpetuate this inequality. But what I hear you saying is that if we're talking about truly democratizing development and really um, giving, you know, democratizing the opportunity of education, that the onus really lies with universities to push forward kind of the brand of online programming to, to really put the value out there as being completely comparable with in-person, with an in-person program. Absolutely. That's an exceedingly important thing because, um, you know, otherwise people will look at it always as a thing that you do because you are not able to go 
and have the on-campus experience. But here you go because you find that that is the best for you in terms of what you're looking for, flexibility, quality, access, uh, scalability. Uh, all of these are very, very important for people when they leave the university environment or the, dem the, the age demographic, when you typically are uh, on the ground in the university. But you want to have this lifelong learning ability. Increasingly, the future is going to be about how you're constantly learning. A lifelong learning should be an imperative. So we have, uh, you know, we're deploying this concept of universal learner, that learning never stops. You're constantly learning. And whether it is through courses, whether it is through modules, whether it is through certificates, whether it is through full-fledged academic programs, but you are learning all the time. And that's the way you're upskilling yourself, reskilling yourself, and making yourself relevant to the needs of the workforce and the needs of the community that you're trying to serve. That feels very in line with a lot of the conversations we're hearing, especially in this past year, about uh, the future of work and this idea that, you know, learning is going to be less about specific tangible skills and more about learning how to think and be able to perpetuate this lifelong learning that you're talking about. Absolutely. In fact, it's going to be much more about, you know, how are you able to relate to the needs of the sectors that you're going to work in? How are you going to be entrepreneurial in your thinking? That you're, How are you going to be adaptable? How are you going to be thinking more global? While you might act local, that you think global. How are you very, very willing to change? Uh, all of these things are very important mindsets in addition to skill sets that you constantly acquire and reacquire so that you are at the forefront of trying to solve problems for humanity and society. And that's what Arizona State University attempts to do through its offerings on campus, online, and through the projects that we engage in solving real-world problems that then in turn comes back and helps us to reshape our curriculum courses and training. I want to I want to move over to the conversation of skilling specifically in just a minute, but I want to delve into uh, this online programming piece one more time because we try to take a very very practical and solutions oriented approach here at DevEx and online programs and the endeavor to really brand them and generate understanding that these programs are just as if not more valuable and it often just more reasonable than um, for people than an on-campus program feels like a very tangible effort that universities and other stakeholders could get behind. So do you have, you know, very, on a very practical, granular level, advice or tips for other leaders within universities for really repositioning these online programs as a boon to the future workforce um, and really aligning them to say, these are just as valuable as in-person, as degrees that you would acquire through an in-person on-campus program? I think the, the, the first uh, thought I would have is going back to the earlier discussion that we had is partnerships. When you partner with real-world entities and provide solutions for their needs, you automatically become relevant. People can see that when we are offering these programs for Starbucks employees, what it then gets to ASU is that, that ASU, ASU's programs are therefore relevant for the workforce. ASU's program meets the needs of sectors of the workforce. We are having the same partnership now developed with Adidas and Uber. So developing these partnerships and understanding the needs of the partners and therefore contextualizing your curriculum programs and shaping them accordingly would, would be exceedingly valuable. 
The second thing, as I mentioned earlier, to operate at speed and scale. And they are not at odds with one another. In fact, they are a nice companion kind of relationship. The third is committing yourself to solving societal global challenges that then feeds back into when you're attempting to solve those challenges, those learnings come back and impact how you develop your programs, courses, and curriculum. And therefore, you become even more relevant in a global context in addition to the local context. So all of these are valuable things that we can do. And finally, wrapping it all around this universal learner concept, which means that universities are completely committed to this you know, lifelong learning imperative that I think all of them increasingly in the future of workforce need to have is something that if we do, can be exceedingly valuable. That is a great segue into my final question for you, which is, you know, especially amid this rapid technological change, what do you foresee the skills of an international development practitioner looking like and what kind of trainings do you foresee them requiring if you know if your students want to go through your program and then go work for world bank commonics usaid major ngos like oxfam you know what what do those skill sets look like great um first of all you know you have to have the constant access to new knowledge and training and education around emerging areas of importance. This is an exceedingly important thing because people who are working in the global international development context need to have access to those kinds of courses, programs, and curriculum that they are able to easily deploy themselves in context and solve problems. And therefore, you need to have those emerging areas of importance as something that you constantly work on as you shape your courses, curriculum, and programming. Next, you need to make sure that the training is accessible. In other, in other words, on-demand education is available for people who are in these contexts at any time. Third, ongoing learning. As I said earlier, skills are constantly refreshed, and there's no concept of a terminal degree. You're constantly evolving and constantly growing, constantly learning, reskilling, upskilling. And at the forefront of innovation, which means that these are research-based, grounded in new technology, practical, and being used in the field, and demand-driven. That is, it is informed by demand as reported by our implementers and local partners. And that's where, again, the partnership helps you to be much more tuned, in tune with uh, the demands that are on the ground. So all of these kinds of things that if you practice, then you will develop the necessary programs and training that generates the skill sets that are required. Those are some very practical key takeaways. Do you have any any final thought that, or any parting wisdom that you would give to other universities who are really thinking critically about investing in this democratization of development um, in an effort to deliver on this locally-led vision? In addition to what I have already said, one thing that we always need to do is constantly evaluate ourselves. You know, even though you may do all of these things, you need to be always agile, looking to ways to make sure that what you're doing is actually working. And for that, you need, you know, research into how what you're doing is having the impact. So we have, for example, in our online um, uh, infrastructure called S Plus, an action lab 
Action Lab translates the data that we gather in practical classroom solutions to produce better student outcomes. So we gather the data and then we analyze the data and see what can we do better by, you know, making changes and adapting to new technology or doing other things that helps achieve better outcomes. Because whatever we do that we think is good can be better. And so how do you use the learnings that you're getting through the data from the deployment that you have today in order that the tomorrow may be better? And so that's something that I would suggest that we do because uh, otherwise we may not know how to get improvements done in a tangible way and how to know what works and what does not work. This constant feedback loop is exceedingly important. So we, in fact, have an institute that we are for science and teaching and learning that we are trying to tie closely with the data that we are getting for on-campus students as well as online students to make sure that we are constantly achieving that and striving for excellence and achieving the fact that we can be better. And uh, that's very, very important. Whatever you're thinking you're doing, that you're doing well could be better is something I'm just going to print out and put next to my desk. Dr. Ponch, thank you so much for joining me this week and sharing all of your perspective on this. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me. Have a good day. Bye-bye. This episode was part of our ongoing Skills for Tomorrow series, covering the latest trends in global development careers. Stay on top of the latest from the series by following us on Twitter at twitter.com slash devx, and you can find the link to the complete series in the episode description. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.